you do in challenging times when change is happening all around you and you're not sure what to grab hold of to weather the storm? What do you do when you're trying to lead other people but your own life is in chaos? What do you do when you're trying to make decisions that impact your organization but you don't have all the info that you need? That's what we'll talk about on today's episode of Learn and Burn. Learn and Burn is the monthly podcast of Renegade Ministry. I am Scott of Renegade Ministry and today I've got Kyle who is the lead pastor of South Park Church that is doing incredibly innovative stuff in Charlotte, North Carolina. And we've got Jonathan with us today, who is the founder of Neighborhood Table. Say hey, guys. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. So this is a topic that I think all of us, really anybody who's ever been a leader, has had to deal with is the whole idea of uncertainty. Certainly life would be a lot easier. Certainly leadership would be a lot easier if we were certain about everything that we did, but it just hasn't seemed to ever work out that way. What are some areas where you guys have seen the effects of uncertainty in how you've had to lead or in people who you've been trying to lead? Well, I see people getting uptight when things get, um, I guess, squirrely, where they don't know what's going to happen and have a hard time trying to get their bearings. And in an organization, the hard part is for people to remember, first of all, that they like each other. And second of all, that they're somehow committed to each other in the organization. It, a lot of times the, the infighting, because different people are trying to control and steer the ship, trying to, I guess, regain control where everything feels like it's in chaos. And a lot of times that hurts relationships. Yeah, I think it's definitely a feel of a loss of control when the future is uncertain. We like to act on our own behalf and determine what's going to happen in our lives. And when we don't have that control... It's very difficult to deal with. Yeah, I have found a lot of times that when there's anxiety, people seem to focus on the negative way more than on the positive. We instantly seem to think of worst case scenario of what could happen. Well, a lot of times people overcorrect too because they're so afraid of what the worst case is. So they overcorrect and turn the whole mission of something away from where they thought it was without taking the time to really sit through the problem. Sure. Or the opposite of that is we can have analysis paralysis and become completely immobilized. We just think, well, since I don't have any idea where this might go, I think I'll just avoid all risk and try to to do nothing and just kind of wait it out. And that rarely, if ever, works. We also tend to isolate ourselves in the specific situation and the worry. And sometimes we forget to look around and see that we have support systems around us that could help us maybe navigate it better than we are by ourselves. Absolutely. So, Jonathan, where, what has happened with Neighborhood Table sometimes that you might have seen how uncertainty affected? First, tell us what Neighborhood Table is and then kind of share maybe, if you would, where uncertainty may have affected things going on there. Neighborhood Table was a project for a coffee shop pub and co-work space that came out of um, a lot of the miscommunication that was happening back in 2016. We realized it a lot in Charlotte that people just don't know how to talk. So we wanted to create a space that gave uh, an opportunity for great storytelling that could bring people together to provide a social space where people could come together and work out some of the harder, more difficult issues where we really wanted to train our staff to be able to facilitate those conversations. So it was kind of a big dream and it still is kind of a big dream, but it's also hard because a lot of the people on our team are volunteers. A lot of the people who work with our team don't necessarily have a lot of time that they can give to the project. So that's kind of held us up a little bit. And then there's also the situation that real estate costs in Charlotte are skyrocketing. So all of those things create situations. People are down with our vision. They think that what we want to do is really cool, but they're having, we're having a really hard time finding the ways to make it concrete. 
And so it's been carrying on for a couple of years. And so what that means is that we've had to be patient and sit with the uncertainty of, is this going to work or not? And it means we've had times where people have been really encouraging of what we want to do and people have been really discouraging of what we want to do because the people who are really discouraging are looking only at dollars and cents. They're not thinking in terms of mission. But the people who think in terms of mission believe that if you hang with the idea, hang with the mission, eventually uh, the how will take care of itself. That if you know what you want to do, which we do, and you know why you want to do it, the how will eventually take care. It's hard to have faith in that, though, when things don't work. So you've had uncertainty pretty much from day one. From the you've very beginning. almost never had a time where there hasn't been uncertainty. Right. And anytime you start something new, and especially when you know that it's kind of risky to start, and you know you're going to have to have a great outlay of capital, you know you're going to have to have a great outlay of leadership capital and reputation capital with all of those things, you do kind of feel yourself get tense around those risks. And it does, but you, you also get kind of used to the uncertainty too. And you get to where you kind of thrive on it. So what kind of toll has the uncertainty taken on you personally, having had to deal with it for several years as the leader of Neighborhood Table? You mean aside from you making fun of me for it not being done yet? Yes. <laughs> the project that seems to never end. <laughs> well, um, it's tiring. It's really tiring. And it's been at times demoralizing because there are times where I've started asking myself, is this really the right mission? Is this really the right project? Does the world really need this project? Because if the world really needed this project, surely somebody would come and you know fix it and make it okay. And the same breath that I'm saying that, that's also a good question and a good kind of valley for me to have gone through to realize that I'm not going to really grow this project if I'm waiting on somebody else to save it. Um, I've got to put my whole self into it and expect my team to put its whole self into it. So we're recalibrating the team for people who really want to put their whole selves into it. And that's not a that's not to cast aspersions at the people who weren't able to do that. It's just to say that we really needed people who were willing to dive in. And, and so going through that valley really made me ask those real hard questions. And so the uncertainty, it, it was a point of growth, but it was still hard. Well, off growth is like that, isn't it? Yeah. Jonathan, were there any times where the uncertainty actually almost felt like it was overwhelming, that you just didn't have any idea how to proceed? Yeah, there was a time about a year and a half ago when we lost one of our major funders. I won't go into all the reasons for why that happened, but losing that, it was really difficult to sometimes to want to get out of bed in the morning. The trick was going back to look at my mission reconnecting with the people who meant a lot to me, reconnecting to the people who I knew believed in the mission of this idea and being reminded that I wasn't in it alone, being reminded that people still believed not only in the mission of this project, but that they still believed in me because I was, I was wounded. I was taking it pretty, pretty personally, especially given where all of that criticism had come from. And so it was difficult, uh, but my friends and the people who were committed to the project seemed to get even more motivated. And I think that's probably uh, the, the temptation that Kyle mentioned a minute ago to isolate. When the, when the heat gets really high, it is tempting to just want to curl up in a corner. But you've still got to open yourself up and lead with that kind of vulnerability, I guess. It's almost like we talked about last month with leadership and depression. When stuff gets tough... When stuff gets really hard, our first temptation is often to isolate ourselves. And that's often the worst thing that we can do. 
Kyle, at South Park Church, you all have had incredible uncertainty over a lot of the time that you've been there as you've decided to tear down your entire campus and rebuild it and having to move. What are some of the biggest challenges that you have seen out at South Park in the midst of all the changes that have been going on there? Well, for the past seven years, we've just been under constant change and transition, and that just wears on anyone uh, who's been with us, especially people who've been in the church for 50 years. And so we are relaunching our church because our community has changed from where it started 50 years ago, and we're rebuilding our church campus into a mixed-use development. We've changed our church name. We're doing um, church in a movie theater while we rebuild the campus. We've changed our leadership uh, model, and so... For seven straight years, there's been nothing but consistent change. And that can wear on people uh, who see church as really kind of their sanctuary away from the world where things are changing all the time. They want to have one place they can go where something stays the same. And so that's been a huge challenge. So how what does that look like? Like, okay, somebody can make it through change for a year or two and then... In year three or four, do you see people not volunteering as much? And then in year five and six, they start to leave. I mean, what does that look like with seven years of change, the effect that it has taken on people? It's different for each person. Some have left the church. We've lost over 30% of our congregation through this seven-year period just because change is so extremely difficult. Others have had to take a a step back from leadership and just be a, a part of the congregation without being on the front lines doing this. And so it's just different for each person. But the majority that have hung in with us, I think, have done so because they really believe in what we're doing. And so our focus on the positive side in the midst of all this uncertainty is why are we making all these changes? And for us, it's to reach our community for God. The community has changed, and so we've had to change the way that we deliver that message. The message remains the same, but the underlying why is we're doing this to be in relationships with our community and to help them connect to God, which we believe is what we're called to do. So constantly reminding people why we're doing what we do. And how have you done that? When you say constantly reminding people of why, are you preaching on that all the time? Do you put it in newsletters? What do you do to keep that at the forefront? Absolutely. It's whenever we're in front of people, when we're talking about the project, uh, stuff that we send out in newsletters, emails, just continuing to cast that vision and connecting all that we do currently in our ministries as to this is what we're called to do to reach our community for Christ. And this is just a part of that bigger picture of making the change uh, to our whole church. What are the kinds of things you talk about, though, not just in the sermons or in the newsletter, but when you're talking to individual leaders in the church, are there particular words or marker cues that you try to give them to remind them to focus? Yeah, absolutely. We have a narrative. And part of that is we want to help people in our community live life to the full. We believe that's what Jesus called us to do, uh, as he explains in Scripture. We also believe God called us to be a crossroads of our community where the church and the world can, can collide and that we feel that we're called to be a hub to bring people together, to do life together. That's part of our mixed-use development. We have apartments and shops and restaurants and a hotel and a church and that we see it as a 24-7 community where people do life together. What toll have you found personally for seven years of change? I mean, of course, I know you well. And I've, I know in those seven years, you've had really high highs and really low lows. But can you, can you help everybody understand what those seven years have been like of uncertainty for you personally as a leader? 
yeah, I mean, there's times where you say, is this going to work? We've, been, we've made this huge risk for the kingdom of God. And what if it fails? And we've faced obstacles along the way, legal challenges, internal struggles over this. And so the uncertainty of it any moment, what if it doesn't work? Have we wasted our time in the midst of this? And so there are those dark moments, again, when you feel isolated to question yourself and what you're doing. But we always come back to see the fruit that that's that we're bearing. And so lives are being transformed now. It's not we don't have to wait until we have the new campus for lives to be transformed. We see that along the way. And so we celebrate, as we've talked about on this podcast before, we celebrate the, the small victories along the way. What are some of the adaptations that you've made? I mean, I know your work's being in a movie theater, but you've also had to make some other adaptations. Yeah, so we don't have a building, so when we have weddings or funerals we have to do those at other churches we have to find locations for that we have small groups that meet throughout the week and so we're in coffee shops we're in the ymca we're in retirement communities and so that's been a shift for us but it's also been exciting for us because our church has realized that what we're about is not about brick and mortar that we have been you know kind of forced to be out in the community where we need to be in the first place you know as you were talking it reminded me back before i was a pastor and i worked for Donaldson, Lufkin, and Jenrette, which is an investment bank. I was working for them in Dallas. And when I was working there, it was during the time when there was takeovers every single day. And not a month would go by that we wouldn't have some rumor of our firm taking over another firm or another firm taking over our firm. And so it was for a long time a constant state of anxiety for all of us who were working there. And I'll never forget, our manager came out and he had a, a big meeting with all of us one day in the midst of it. And he sat us all down and he said, look, we're not going to be able to control what happens to us here in this office. We don't know if we'll get taken over or take someone else over. So in the midst of not knowing that, we have two choices. We can either all just throw our hands up in the air and not get anything done and panic and worry all day long. Or we can continue to focus on the things that we know are important And we can continue to do the things that are under our control. We can continue to do the best job investing that we can. We can continue to work on clients. We can continue to do the things that got us to where we are. Now, 30 years later, I still remember that because, especially for our Methodist friends, we are in a period of time where we don't know what's going to happen over the next six months or a year or even five years. And I think it's easy for anyone who's a pastor going through a time where we don't know what's going to happen, it's easy to almost become immobilized by that uncertainty. And don't think that's what God would have us do. We found that to be true, that in uncertain times, focus on what is certain, what is not changing. We had a big town hall meeting when we first started this, and there were a lot of questions about it. We had one of our founding members stand up, who'd been with the church for, you know, 50 years and said, I know this is difficult. We're not sure where we're going to be. But he said, what what you can count on is I'm going to see you every Sunday, whether that's in this church, whether it's in a coffee shop or a theater, and we're going to be together. And so let's focus on the things that are not changing. And that was that was a huge victory for us. And I think that's powerful advice, not just for our organizations. That's powerful advice for marriage, for example. Marriages go through times of uncertainty. Marriages go through ups and downs. But if you can focus even on those times of what's not going to change, well, I'm going to love you no matter what. And there may be times I don't like you. There may not be. There may we be don't times, like you all the time. Well, ditto. So in the midst of any time, relationships, work, 
leadership where there is uncertainty, I think that's a great strategy, Kyle. Step back and say, okay, what do we know is not going to change? What is the anchor that I can grab hold of in the midst of the storm so that I don't blow away? And that's not rocket science, but it's it's harder to do than you think. And part of it's just mentally taking a time out and saying, I need to focus on what I can count on in this time. Well, one of the most difficult parts of that, and given that all three of us pastor churches and all three of us are dealing with the, the stories that we're telling, they all deal with some amount of physical certainty, whether it's your building, whether it's finances, or whether it's trying to get a location for neighborhood table. In some ways, you have to find a way to remember that the mission survives your your buildings, your structures, that if the mission is really important and if the mission is really valuable, you can do it without anything. And kind of keeping your eyes focused that that mission, like in your case, it's a vision of offering Christ to a whole community. In my case, it's offering peacemaking to a whole community. And in Scott's, uh, I don't know what people do in business firms. What, what do they do? Make money. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> um, <clears throat> sorry. <clears throat> But and but when you're dealing with people's security, people's senses of security uh, financially, which is what Scott, what you dealt with, people's financial security obviously is important. People's security in a church is centered a lot of times on their building or their or where they're located. But yet, so much of uh, what our true security comes from is really not going to be those things. It's really who we are and who our friends and our family are and those connections. Well, I love what you talk about mission. When New Story Church, where I'm the pastor of, started, we were meeting in my den, but and and we didn't have a building. We weren't doing all kinds of huge stuff, but we knew the mission, and and throughout our eight years of existence, through all kinds of ups and downs and tremendous uncertainty, we've always been able to go back to the core values. We've always been able to go back to who we are and what we're about, and it's been something to grab hold of. If you look at the history of the world, the most transformative movement movements didn't happen because people had buildings and because they had financial security necessarily. Whether you're looking at a Jesus or a Gandhi or a Martin Luther King, these were movements that took place in the streets where people were. And those movements led people because what they were about was bigger than any building could have ever held. In those times of uncertainty, and and I can only imagine what those different situations must have been like for those people, in those times of uncertainty, knowing that what you're about is the right thing and that it is bigger than any of you, that has a way of pulling you through and creating momentum where you don't feel any to begin with. And again, that's focusing on the why. Why are we in these uncertain times? But sometimes we're in uncertain times and there's no why. It just happens. You know, something in the world changes and we're in uncertain times economically and there's there's no why to, to fall back on. And so then I think the other things that we've been talking about are still important. Focus on what is certain in this uncertain time, even though there's no overarching reason why we're here to celebrate that. And I think what John said right at the beginning of this podcast was so good. There are times that uncertainty can be great. It's, it's part of the adventure of life. If you literally know every single thing coming over the horizon, that's boring. Sometimes uncertainty can unleash our greatest creativity. Sometimes uncertainty can unleash our greatest faith when we just want to hold on to God in the midst of it. It's part of life being an adventure. And I think when we can begin to grasp that, then the terror, the anxiety of the uncertainty can begin to fade away. 
Well, fear only lives in the future, but so does hope. And and recognizing that hope is out there in front of us as well, and that opportunity is out there, and that, yeah, what lies around the corner might be scary, but it might also be the best opportunity that we have to fully grow up. Absolutely. So great stuff today, guys. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We would love to hear your feedback on this podcast, as well as any questions that you have or suggestions for future episodes. You can reach me at scott at renegadeministry.org. Certainly, you can go to our website, which is renegadeministry.org, and see more stuff that deals with the things that we have talked about today. And, of course, our book is on Amazon.com, Renegade Ministry, both in print and on Kindle. Listen, we are here for you. If there's ever anything that we can do to help you navigate through challenging times, we would love to do that because we have all been there ourselves. Kyle, tell us what we're going to talk about on next month's episode of Learn and Burn. We will be talking about failures in leadership. A subject Kyle knows a hell of a lot about. I do. More than any of us combined. So if you've ever felt like a loser as a leader, listen next month and you'll hear Kyle tell stories that'll make you feel really good about yourself.